Good morning. Good morning. So in our, in our sermon series, we're currently, we're currently in Advent. And Advent means coming. It is the coming of Christ. It is the weeks leading up to Christmas where we remember Jesus. And so one of the things we're doing, it's a bit unique, is we're going backwards. We're starting at Jesus's, at, at the end of Jesus's life. We started at his resurrection a few weeks ago. And then we talked about his death. And today we get to talk about his life. We get to talk about his ministry. We get to talk about his teachings. We get to talk about him while he was here on this earth. And so we're, 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 we're using a verse, a verse found in Galatians 4, 4 through 5 as a springboard for, for, each one of these, for each one of these sermons. And it says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The fullness of time had come. And here, we're learning that the time had come for Jesus' teaching in his life. Now, one of the things that we, we have to realize is that there's a, Jesus taught a lot. And so we can't cover possibly everything in one sermon. But we're gonna look, like why, we're gonna look at why he was an amazing teacher. And for all of us who have gone and we've grown up learning in school, we know what it's like to have an amazing teacher. We know what it's like to be excited to get in the classroom with your favorite teacher, whether it was elementary school or high school. The, the, there's a beauty in amazing teachers. And I've, and I've grown up and I've seen it, and I can, I've seen it in other students' lives. And it's, and it's different. There's a breath of fresh air in the room when you walk into a class because you know you're welcome there. You walk into a class and you know that that teacher cares about you. You know that when you walk into that class and you sit down, that the teacher isn't gonna forget that you're there, that the teacher's gonna make eye contact and they're like, hey, it's good to see you today. And kind of on the opposite end of the coin, we know what it's like to have a bad teacher. A teacher whose the mere presence in the classroom is exhausting, is draining, because you know that they don't, they don't really care about you, that you feel like the work is more important. And I've seen students grow, and I've seen students in their valedictorian speech in college point back to the teacher in elementary school, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, who cared for them, who encouraged them, that said, you could do it. You will do it. And I've also seen students who have that painful memory of the teacher that said, hey, maybe quit while you're ahead. And so we can understand just the depth and weight that comes from an amazing teacher. And I think we can all agree that Jesus was perfect. He was perfect at what he did. So, I mean, there's got to be something to learn, right? And one of the first things we're going to look at, and it's kind of this... This, this theme that I want to hold on to as we learn about Jesus' teaching. And it's this idea of meeting people where they are. Meeting people where they are. And, and it's something that, we, that I've talked about in ministry, but when it comes to teaching, and especially with Jesus' teaching, when it came to, to meeting people where they are, Jesus did that quite literally with the fact that he went from his place in heaven. He went from his place on high, and he was born he came to where we are so that he could teach us. 
In Philippians 2, 6, it says, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself, consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he might be made, he, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus came and met us where we are physically. He came to this earth. And he met in our cities. Not in our cities specifically, but 2,000 years ago, he met in the cities of the people. So many of the teachings of God came, and, and, and the encounters that he had came from walking through cities, walking by wells, walking and talking and teaching in synagogues, the places where people were. That's where he was. He walked into their homes. He taught in their homes, and he ate with them. He closed the distance to meet us where we are. And that is such a beautiful and we're going to learn, at the end, we're going to kind of look at what that means for us. But if we think about that, there was no greater distance traveled than from heaven to earth. 30 years of his life to meet us where we are, to sit down and eat with people like Zacchaeus, people who were broken, people who had, who had abused and used people all his life, tax collectors, sinners, and he was criticized for it. Another amazing aspect of Christ is that, that when he came and he met with us, he didn't come and meet with us and he didn't take his, his divinity, he didn't take his godliness, he didn't take his, his everything he knew, he didn't walk up and say, hey, hold on a second and sit down, I'm gonna learn you something because I'm God and I happen to know everything. So please take a minute and listen and shut up and listen. That's not what Jesus did when he came to this earth. He at no point used the truth and beat us over the head with it and said, why can't you just get it? It's truth. It's right. It's the actual thing that you need to know. Why don't you get it? He wasn't exasperated with us. He wasn't frustrated with us. And I tell you, that's powerful and that's amazing because I have a four-year-old <laughs> who just doesn't, doesn't get lessons sometimes. There's a reason why we don't run out in the street on our own. There's a reason why we hold hands. And even more so with an eight, a nine-month-old. You can't just walk off the bed, boy. You can't just walk off the couch. No, you know that space between the table leg and the leg of the chair? You can't shove your head through that. It hurts. And very much so like, an eight, like, a, like a four-year-old and very much so like a nine-month-old, we bang our heads against the wall because although we know truth up here, it's so hard for it to get down here. It's so hard for it to reach the point in our heart where it actually starts doing something and making a difference. Where those things that Jesus said, you know what, I should maybe live those things. And at no point in his ministry, at no point in his teaching, did he get frustrated with us toddlers. And another thing that was beautiful about his teaching, and it's kind of part of meeting us where we are, is he used these amazing things called parables. Parables. Small stories about people who've ex who, who, with a huge, beautiful, underlying spiritual lesson, he used these parables, and there's more than 20 of them in the Bible. And there are some, some that are unique to Mark and Luke and John and Matthew, there's these amazing parables and their stories and their nuggets. And they're, they're, a little, they're a little mysterious too. 
Because these stories, they didn't just lay out the meaning. He didn't say, hey, you know what? Just be good to each other all the time. That's not every lesson that he told. Sometimes these lessons that he told, that sometimes the teachings, they were packed up in a story that was memorable. For those of, for those of us who have been in church for a while, if I tell you uh, the story of the prodigal son, most of us could probably be like, I could, I could give you the gist of that story. Or what about the story of the guy who, who hid the talent? Well, that's pretty much the whole story is he hid a talent. But there's these stories that are memorable. They stick with us in the back of our minds. And if you ask, why, does, why did Jesus use parables? That's actually one of the things his disciples asked. In Matthew 13, 10, the disciple asked to him, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will, whoever has will be given more, and whoever and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even that what they will have will be taken away from. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. For you will be ever hearing, but never understanding, and you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart have become calloused. Hardly, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have their eyes closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus, like, there's that, there's that point. We, we go back to banging our head against the wall. There's a point where when we want to learn, there's nothing that's going to stop us from getting in the way. But if we have our guard up, if we have erected that wall in front of us, nothing will get through. And I like to think of parables as gifts. There's these, there's these, they're wrapped and they're packaged. <coughs> Excuse me. They're packaged truth in a little bundle. And when Jesus would offer this bundle of truth to those who wanted to hear, to those who wanted to seek, to those who wanted to get, who wanted to know more, who wanted the truth, that gift was precious. It was something that you could take your time unwrapping. It was something you could take your time holding on to. It was a bit of truth. It was a little glimpse of the kingdom of heaven and it was a joy to receive. But for those who didn't want to hear it, for those who, who hated Jesus already, for those who wanted to reject the truth that he had to offer them. That gift wasn't precious. That gift wasn't valuable. That gift fell on hard ears, unclosed eyes. Another aspect of Jesus' teaching is that he met us where we are emotionally. He created us. He knows, us what, we, he knows what we need. As I tell you, he knows us better than anybody else. He knows that he created us for community. He knows that he created us for love, for joy, for forgiveness. He knows that he created us to experience all of the truth, that, that this beautiful truth of, of all the things that the world doesn't have. And so this is what it looks like. Jesus came to a world that taught hatred. He came to a world that taught bitterness. He came to a world that taught neglect. And he brought all the opposite. He brought love. And he brought forgiveness. And he brought adoption. 
In Mark 12, 30, 31, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like this. The second commandment is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no commandment greater than these. He taught us to forgive. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. And even if they sin against you seven times in a day, seven times coming back saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And he taught us that we were his brothers and his sisters. In Matthew 12, 46 through 50, he says, while Jesus was walking, well, he was still talking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak with him, and someone told him, your mother and brother are standing outside. They want to speak with you. And he replied to them, who is my brother? Who is my mother? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And all throughout scripture, we realize that we have a family in Christ. We have a family in God. We are cherished like brothers. We are cherished like sisters. And not like the brothers and sisters that we see in, the, in, in TV that are backbiting and, and nipping and tearing at each other. No, but like true brothers and true sisters who tend to each other's wounds, who hold each other dear, who nurture each other. And even so, we are not just brothers and sisters to one another in Christ, but we're the sons and daughters of God. He pulls us close and says, you are my children. It doesn't matter how much pain there is on earth. It doesn't matter how much people have neglected you and pushed you away and rejected you and hurt you and cut you. You're mine and I will heal you, and I will love you, and I will care for you because you are my children. And so how do we take that? How do we take what, with the few things that we've learned about Christ's teaching? Because guess what about his teaching? He didn't just teach us the right things to do. By saying it, he lived it. He taught in, 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 in action and in speech. He taught us in word and in motivation, in the things that we do. And so what can we learn from that? Well, I tell you that we should learn from that to start with. There are countless scriptures in the Bible that use a word, imitate, 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 imitate Christ. Paul went a step further in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. I don't know about you, but that is a huge, huge burden to bear. How many people could we say, you know, you want to know how to be a Christian? Just watch what I'm doing. Follow along. I'm not that, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have enough confidence in myself to say, you want to learn how to be like Jesus? Just check me out. I got this covered. Paul had it covered. He was in the trenches so often that he says, you know what? If you want to look what Jesus looks like, look at what I'm doing out there. Holy moly. I don't know about that burden. I don't know if I have that on my shoulders. I do my best. But that's what we should feel. Because guess what? You are little Christs. For those of us who believe in Jesus, 
We are called to look like Jesus. Be imitators of God as beloved children. For those of you who have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Brothers, join me in imitating Christ and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example. I urge you, be imitators. So what does that look like? Well, in those three categories of meeting people where they are physically and emotionally and spiritually, let's start with the physical. If Christ could come down from heaven, if he could be born and live a full life, well, not that full, he died, but his entire life was dedicated to it. He was born and he grew and then he jumped into the ministry. That is a lot of distance to cover to be near us, to teach us. I think it's okay that we should challenge ourselves to walk across the street and invite our neighbors, to watch, walk across to the next cubicle and invite our coworkers, to pick up the phone and call our in-laws and our loved ones, invite them to church, to reach out to them. Maybe to stop that, maybe it's just having a cup of coffee. Christ made a cosmic traveling distance to get to us. We can go a few feet to reach our neighbors. Christ met people where they are spiritually. For the Pharisees, he kind of did beat them over the head a little bit because they knew better. But for those who didn't know, for those who were seeking, he was gentle and kind and welcoming and warm and loving. Just like that, we got to hold our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to a higher standard. We have to encourage each other. We have to keep each other accountable. But for those who are seeking, we're loving, we're kind. We, we draw them in and we show them that Jesus truly and tenderly cares about them. And we, we meet people where they are emotionally. We meet them there with the emotions that Christ called us to have. Love, tenderness, hope, grace, mercy, forgiveness. We bring that to our neighbors. We bring those to our mission field. We bring those to our schools. We bring those to our enemies. There's a hard lesson that we have to learn as Christians. And that, that's that the eyes are on us always. If you profess faith, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, you are a beacon of hope that people will look to and say, I think that's a little bit of what Christ looks like. And because of that, we have a burden of truth on us, that kind of that burden that Paul embraced, that look at me and imitate me as I imitate Christ, that is something, whether we like it or not, it's something that people will hold us to. And it's scary and it's overwhelming, but it's our burden that we should bear with joy and delight to, to look even a little bit like Christ looked. And so if there's one thing that we can walk away with today, if you want to write a note, it's this. Bring the truth to people 
no matter where they are. Bring the truth to people no matter where they are because that's how Jesus taught. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for the opportunity to learn, to grow, to be taught by you, Lord Jesus, and to teach others about what it means to love and what it means to grow and what it means to forgive and what it means to reach this neighborhood. Lord Jesus, as Christmas comes around the corner, keep our heart on you, keep our minds on you, and that the joy that we get to experience with our families, Lord Jesus, and our friends, that we would be thankful that it's all because of you. In your name we pray, amen.